Welcome to the Seeing Beauty Sessions podcast. I'm your host, Lori Marie. Seeing Beauty Sessions is about stories of how women have turned their pain into purpose. Welcome, Kat. <laughs> Thank um, you. I'm Lori Marie. Today on Seeing Beauty Sessions, we have, I'm so excited, we have our guest Kat Tremarco here. Kat, let's start out by having you tell us like a little bit about yourself, like who you are, what to do, and how you're helping make this world a better place. Yeah, so to start, I'm a divine being having a human experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but what I do in the human experience is uh, I'm an author, a speaker, a life coach, and a sex coach. And I started with that piece because I, for a long time, I had a lot of resistance to labeling myself and a lot of resistance to, um, to categorizing what I do into a specific label. And yeah, because I mean, that's so much of what I teach is authenticity and tapping into our true selves and how we really do that. And sometimes I feel like limit, labels can be limiting to that. So those are the avenues through which I share the different messages I share and the different right. teachings that I share. Yeah. Excellent. I love that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. Like, um, I feel like there's so many different ways we can express ourselves and it shows up in, you know, it's, it's really our job to, I think, just be happy and share happiness with yeah. others. And there's so many different ways we can express that through, you know, whether it's being a coach or a speaker or so many different avenues. So I love that. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us, like for those who are watching or those who are listening, um, what brought you to this place? Like, you share a bit about your story and how um, how you came to be where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So, I mean, the first half of my book, I, I do share this as well. It's my memoir. It's the journey of what what really woke me up. And that started almost five years ago now after I'd been abusing drugs and alcohol for over 10 years, like from the time I was 12, 13 to the time I was in my mid-20s. And I really, I hit this point where internally everything was changing, everything was shifting, and externally everything was shifting. Um, I was in a relationship with an addict that ended, which was really hard on me, and then he passed away. And so, and I got sober, I got sober after we broke up, and so it was that was my wake up. Like that was my starting to wake up and ask myself, like, what is this life about? Like, what is this existence about? What am I doing? Like what, like really bringing a lot of consciousness and awareness to like, what am I doing every day? Like, how am I being in the world? And I mean, it came through feeling like everything around me was crumbling and like life was ripping the rug from underneath of me. Um, but it's really what catalyzed me 
in the direction I'm in now. And so during that time is when I started writing my book and started sharing my story and sharing my journey and just dismantling a lot of the misbeliefs and misperceptions about who I was and the unworthiness. And um, yeah, and so that led me into, I was like, I need to help other people. Like I've been through this experience. I've awakened. I have all these, this wisdom tools and resources and I really wanted to be of service to other people and be a light and be a, um, an example of like teaching through embodiment, like teaching what is possible for us in this lifetime and that we don't have to fall victim to our circumstances. We, we can create our own reality. We can choose differently than what we're currently living and we can do that over and over and over and over again. Um, and so that's what led me into that piece of it. And then the sex coaching piece was kind of a wake up call sexually as well. And really starting to ask myself, like, who am I as a sexual being? Why did nobody teach me about this? Um, a desire, desiring to understand my body and understand, um, I even understand my body, but also just be in acceptance and be in love with my body, be in love with who I am as a sexual being. And so that's what kind of started. That was a seeking journey in itself too. And then again, I'm like, I, I want to be a voice for other people. I want to share this with other people that, um, that we can experience pleasure, that we can enjoy our bodies. And that journey also spawned from, from pain like from the pain that that was bringing up in my relationships, the pain of not knowing how to communicate sexually with a partner, not knowing what my body wanted, not knowing how to communicate that, um, all those things that were the cause of the end of relationships and that really just caused me a lot of pain. And that's what catalyzed that seeking journey. And now just, again, wanting to be a light for other women and other couples of like this is what's possible for us sexually as sexual beings. And I'll tie that. It's interesting because they do all tie together. It's really about who we are at the core of our being, like who we are. Um, sexuality ties directly into our life's purpose and ties directly into our self-expression and our vulnerability and our authenticity. And so while they seem like two things that might be separate, I really, it's my belief and, and my truth that they are one and the same and that they dance together. And so when I'm working with people in the field of sexuality, it's about so much more than sexuality. It's about who they really are as a person and peeling away the conditioned layers so that they can really, really be who they came to be in this lifetime. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. And I feel like um, for myself that I'm kind of on that same seeking journey. And um, when, when we peel back those layers, it's like you really start to get an idea of like, where do you hold yourself back? I know that's true for me. I notice like in certain, certain situations or certain things, it's like, part of me like really wants to like move forward, but I like keep myself back or like hold myself back. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
it's got me, you know, a really curious as to like, okay, what, you know, why am I holding myself back? Like what kind of like conditioning have I had or what, what do I, what do I, what judgments do I have on myself that I'm put, placing on myself around that? And so mm -hmm. I think I love that you're doing this work because I think it's so important and so powerful because we are sexual beings and we do, um, you know, there's so much like shame and guilt and like these uh, feelings that I think so many of us carry when it comes to our sexuality or what we desire. And it's like we, um, you know, we struggle with the permission. Who you got there? <laughs> Oh, oh, you can see him. Oh, that, that's my little fur baby. <laughs> he likes to be part of the action and I part like of the it. attention. Like <laughs> so cute. But um, yeah, you're like, you're absolutely right. And what this, the piece you just said about like um, shame and guilt around sexuality is what's so interesting that I find that I found in myself as I was on this journey. And even as I continue to expand in my own sexuality, like there's always a new place to expand into. But, and as I work with clients that I notice that shame and guilt are so normal that a lot of us don't even identify it as shame and guilt. Like I didn't identify I feel shame and guilt around sex when I was coming up against these miscommunications or this not understanding. It was just, to me, that was just normal. Like I, I'm not supposed to like my body. I, I'm not supposed to touch my body. I'm not supposed to like look at my pussy in the mirror and appreciate my feminine parts. Like, so I wasn't even interpreting it as shame. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm in shame and I'm in hiding. Right. I'm like, oh, this is just what we do. Like, oh, okay, nobody talk. We don't talk about this stuff. We don't. It's just some. That's just the normal, and that's what I realized as I start. Then I started thinking, like, well, this isn't normal. Like, how are we ignoring this part of ourselves? We can't. We can't deny this part of ourselves and be a full being. Like, be a fully expressed, fully embodied person. And yeah, so I started to realize like, oh, this is what's considered normal in our culture, like right. to be in to be in hiding, and right. that reflects out into who we be in our businesses, in our jobs, in our relationships, in in fucking everything. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, even the fact that like it, it's so interesting to me. Like, I even notice like what comes up in my own body. Like when you say the word pussy, it's like, oh, like that word, you know, and it's like, we can't even talk about our own bodies for what they really are. It's interesting right now I'm reading uh, pussy Re uh, reclamation and I'm really loving what's, what's in that book. Um, but it's like, yeah, I mean, growing up, like I know for myself, like, you know, we called it like your hoo-ha or your woo, you know, like you didn't actually name, you couldn't even name your own parts for what they actually are. And so many mm -hmm. people have like fears around talking about sex, whether it's like mm -hmm. as a parent or as a woman or even asking, you know, it's like, I found something really disturbing in within the last year, the thought that like my doctor has seen more of me than I have. Like, mm -hmm. and that is, that to me is really, um, 
a little unsettling because mm-hmm. there's so much of a, like we really, I think us knowing ourselves and our bodies are like so important to, like you said, how we show up in the world. And so when we aren't able to even like talk about it or discuss it or say, call it as it is, um, that's, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And then that, like my experience was then that was magnified in my relationships. So it was like not having this understanding of my own body and my own sexuality and my own pleasure and not having a relationship to my body, to my pussy, to my pleasure, and then being in a sexual relationship. It's like, then that gets magnified and bubbles up to the surface. And it was like, how can we know how to communicate with a partner? Like, it's so, it's so crazy. Like if you think about it, then entering the bedroom with someone, there's no conversation. So it's like, if we, if we don't have the awareness within ourselves, if we don't know ourselves in that way, then how do we go be in the bed with someone and, and be with them in that way? And what, what I find is it's like, that it's so much about it can it just fall into like going through the motions or um, just kind of being mediocre sex when it can be extraordinary, beautiful, like blissful, orgasmic, pleasure-filled, juicy sex. But it can't be unless we know our own bodies and unless we're uh, vulnerable enough to have these conversations with our partners, with the people we're going to bed with. So I took um, actually Kat's workshop um, on her erotic blueprint workshop. And one of the things that I found like incredible was, and really mind blowing is that like you talked about how in homosexual relationships, like they have a conversation about what happens and who's going to do what and like boundaries and consent and all these things. And we don't necessarily do that in heterosexual relationships. And it really kind of, for me, it brought up some things around some like sadness almost around like, um, in a good way, (laughs) but it brought some sadness up in me that like, really a lot of my sexual experiences, like from the time I was like, I started pretty early, like 13, 14. um, It was always in my mind that I was there to please him. Mm -hmm. And it was just that, well, I just do what he wants. And it's not Mm -hmm. about my pleasure. And that Mm -hmm. was really like eye opening and also kind of sad, you know, Mm -hmm. and um through my own like exploration and kind of taking back my own power. Um, it's, it's something that I'm wanting to shift within myself. And I'm sure that there are many people out there who probably feel very similar in that they've always just focused on pleasuring their partner and it's not about Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. What would you say to women out there or men who have, uh, or anyone really who have um, just kind of been down that track, like what's a great place to start to kind of reclaim your own, your own pleasure? Yeah. Well, first is awareness and rec- recognizing it. And so like platforms like this and listening to 
a conversation like this is that starting point. And I do want to like say too, that there can be that sadness or a little bit of grief when we wake up to a part of ourselves that we didn't realize was dormant, Mm -hmm. you know? And I had that experience as well. Again, it was one of those of like, I didn't realize that I was having sex from a place of just pleasing the man I was with until I realized that I wasn't in connection with my own pleasure. And so again, like, like we were saying, it just becomes so normal or what we think is normal. Um, that the idea that there's anything else to even explore unless you hear it in something like this, or you're reading right. it in a book or you start right. to see that they're like, Oh, maybe something more is possible. Um, yeah. So I would, uh, and before I even, I don't even know if I'm answering your question, but I got it. No, I got to touch okay. on this cause it's cause it's coming up is yeah. again, that relating to how we be in life right? So it's like we're born into this world and we're so conditioned by our external, by the culture, by our families, um, just by all the systems of being human of what we think we need to do or who we need to be, the way we need to look, how we need to make money, all these things. And we create all these mental constructs based on that conditioning. And what happens is we lose touch with with how we feel internally and really how we feel internally is our guide to to all of life is our guide to who we be is 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 our guide to authenticity and it's the same thing i'm actually going to be talking about i have outlined my second book and started writing it and i'm and this is a piece i'm going to be talking about in there is like shifting um the way we make choices from a place of, of our head or like, Oh, this is what I think I need to do. This is what I should do, but it not feeling aligned inside of us. And the same thing is in the bed, like with what you're saying of like performing to please someone else is, is a lot of the time it's not even recognized as, Oh, I'm performing for someone else. It's just like, Oh, this is just how we do sex. Like, this is just how it's done. Like for me, it was like, I watched a lot of porn when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was just like, Oh, this is the way it's supposed to be. Like I wasn't even thinking of anything different until I had the, the inner pain and kind of that conflict come up in relationships that I started exploring. And so it's really about starting to starting to have an awareness of your own body, starting to have an awareness of what your own desires are. And that's like a lifelong learning and practice. Um, but it starts of just subtle like that. Like, well, what do I actually want? And even like, we think about this with food and stuff too, right? Like we're, we're conditioned of like what we should eat when we should eat. And, and everybody has something different to say about it. So we, we hear all these external things and we take it all in and then we try and formulate what's best for us. And it's confusing because we lose touch with, well, what does my body actually need? So um, one practice that I'll, I'll have women do is even just starting with food of like, okay, what does my body actually want right now? What do I actually desire right now? Not what should I eat? And that's when all the stuff starts coming up, right? The voices of like, well, I should eat vegetables to be healthy or I 
or this is what I always eat. So I'm just going to eat that. But to, to even start in that place of like, mm, but what am I desiring right now? And a, a good place to do that with food would be to go to a restaurant and like, just quickly, like look at the menu and be like, what, what do I actually want? Um, so it's about like tapping back into our desires rather than what we think we should do, who we think we should be, who we've been conditioned to be, but that when we're doing that actually doesn't feel aligned inside of us. Right. That makes sense. Absolutely. Sometimes I get rambling. I'm like, no. I don't know if it's articulating <laughs> the way no. I'm. Absolutely. It's like tapping into that, that intuition, that, yeah, that desire within you. Um, how would you say, um, you know, I think learning to, to listen to, to your intuition, learning to tap into your desire is a practice, right? Like you said, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do you move past when those feelings of judgment or shame come up in those situations, even if your intuition is saying like, no, go for this, like, you want mm -hmm. the, you know, chocolate covered strawberry or whatever, mm -hmm. like, how do you let go of like, or whatever the case may be, you know, whether it's a, a sexual experience or a, you know, you're, you're enjoying food of some type, like, how do you let go of those judgments? Yeah. And I like that you said it, it, it is an ongoing journey because it really is like with sexuality, with food, with the work we choose to do. And a lot of it is like a practice of, of com self-compassion and mm. self-forgiveness and um, allowing yourself to fuck it up because you can't fuck it up. Like the journey is the pathway. And I wouldn't be sitting here saying all these things if I hadn't twisted and turned and switched in every which direction to arrive at this place. And so if we're, if we're beating ourselves up for every um, twist and turn and, and exploration along the journey, we're denying the human experience because that is the human experience. Um, right. I had an interesting conversation with my mom last night and I'm like, it's so crazy because I'm like, I consider myself a sex and relationship expert. And I'm like, those are the things that I was so fucked up in, like that I was convinced, like, I don't know how to be in relationship. I don't know how to have sex. I, oh, I had, and I have to mention this part is a lot of what spawned my sexual exploration journey was I couldn't orgasm with men. Mm -hmm. I could on my own, but I couldn't with men. And I, I, a lot of women I know suffer, not even suffer, but aren't able to from intercourse, like. I couldn't at all with men. So the, the thing I felt the most fucked up in, the most broken in, and the most like, I do not know what I'm doing in, was what catalyzed me to become an expert in it. And I, feel, I genuinely feel that in the core of my being now. I'm like, I'm an expert in these arenas because I've played in them. Not because I got it perfect. Right. Not because I, right out of the gate, like, figured all this stuff out and knew how to be in relationship and knew my body and knew how to have pleasurable sex because I didn't know how to do those things. And so I learned and, and the learning journey is a lot of fumbling and trying things that, that don't work. And, but that's how we arrive at that place. So that would be my, 
my advice or my suggestion to people. And it's sometimes I, I so like talking about that on platforms like this because so often we see people when they're at the expert stage, we see them right. when they figured it all out. We see them when it looks really pretty, but it's so important. Like, and that, that pisses me off sometimes because it <laughs> creates, um, uh, an ideal or creates, it, I mean, it can be inspiring. It can be like, okay, this is the place I can reach. And it can be, oh, like you're not even human because you don't relate to the things I'm going through. So I, I think it's both important to talk about of like what is possible, what you can expand into and to know that like you're not going to get it perfect because there is no such thing. Like you're going to bump up against different walls and, and through that bumping up against different walls is going to help us all figure out what is aligned with us. I love that you bring that up because I find that's, that's a huge issue. I think in today, like with social media and everything, everybody shows all the pretty, right. And they show mm -hmm. all the like wonderful. And, um, and sometimes it's really a challenge for people to, to, like you said, see that like, no, there was times when I was on the floor, like, ugly crying it out like all day long. Like, mm -hmm. and when we don't mm -hmm. share that part of ourselves too, I think we also deny, um, helping others see the, the humanness in ourselves. I know yeah. that's one thing I'm looking to like open up to more myself is like letting people see when I'm like at my worst, like, mm -hmm. and that is really vulnerable and scary, but I think it's also necessary as leaders. Can you share a little bit more? I think um, so many women struggle with, like you said, being able to orgasm, um, maybe at all, or maybe, you know, um, you know, whatever the case may be, but like, what are some really like, um, practical ways you were able to like, work through that challenge? Like, how are you able to open up to, um, to, or what, what shifted for you? In the, f the, the first thing was I stopped making myself wrong for mm -hmm. it. Um, I'm going to have a vulnerable moment right now because I want to use it as a teaching moment. I had my first orgasm during sex like a few weeks ago. High five, girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. That's and that's a, and, but I, I dropped the judgment and the expectation and I started enjoying my pleasure for my pleasure. Mm -hmm. And then that's when it happens. And that's the thing with, with female orgasm is it's such a surrendered state. It's, um, it's something that's difficult to force ourselves into, especially with another partner. Mm -hmm. um, so wherever you are, releasing the judgment towards it and having that self-compassion and you're not broken, whatever's going on, whatever, you know, if you've never had an orgasm in your life, it doesn't mean you're broken. If you can't get off during intercourse, it doesn't mean you're broken. Um, and it's totally possible to expand that. And so there's a few pieces in it. Like for me, I stopped using vibrators because I was using vibrators to self-pleasure so much that 
I had an awareness that I think I'm desensitized because um, no man can duplicate a vibrator and then like (laughs) not yet anyways and it actually it really does like decrease our pleasure in the long run because as I started learning this and then touching my body more playing on my own body more and not just my pussy my whole body like just feeling sensation on the skin of of my body it actually increases the sensitivity which increases pleasure which makes it easier to orgasm or and then when i wasn't orgasming just touch felt more pleasurable so then it kind of takes that need to have an orgasm off the table mm-hmm. um so that would be be one thing and yeah it's like it's really about starting to oh, there's so many pieces to it yeah. <laughs> like my brain wants to like go in all these directions it's like knowing your physical body and how it desires to be touched and that's that's learning and that's a practice and like that's a lot of what I work with my one-on-one clients with is like actually navigating that terrain um and as you know the work with uh Jaya's erotic blueprints that I'm certified to teach I use that in a lot of my coaching to help give a framework for how okay how is my body wired for pleasure how what feels good to my body, what doesn't feel good to my body, and actually like playing with different forms of touch and gaining an understanding in that. Again, something that most of us just have never done or never knew we could even do. So there's like the actual, like your body, how does your body want to be touched piece? And then there's there's the judgments, the beliefs, the emotional side of things. Because again, we all have this construct of like what is right, what is wrong, what is what is good what is bad what where do we carry shame what are our beliefs about sex so there's all there's that whole piece and what happens is and again it's not about like identifying a judgment and then trying to fix it it's just like once we know it's there we can release it it's like okay i know this is here so i'm let it, so i can let it go so when it comes up and it feels like like you said like that sadness or that grief in a new awareness like, holy shit, I didn't know I was operating in this way. Um, It's like, that's the choice point. We can go down a path of like beating ourselves up. And I know for myself, I still, that's where I default to. That's instantly where I default to is like, why, why didn't you know this before you knew it? And then it's a practice to move into, to, to loving myself and like, okay, of course you couldn't know this before you knew it. Like, this is what the human experience is about. And really, like nurturing that and loving that. Um, and then the other pieces around when this is huge for women is around surrender and vulnerability and the ability to receive. So that's often, and our, and culturally those are, I feel like that's kind of the paradigm shift that we're moving into is more of those qualities being embodied because we've been in like a a go 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 like a masculine energy and when I say masculine energy I don't just mean men but just a masculine energy driven society of productivity of um you know it's even like when we have everything figured out is more valuable than when we're in a position of transition or when we're confused when um, we don't have all the pieces in place. And I think that's why there's a lot of fakeness on social media because it's like, oh, it hasn't been valued up until now. 
to be in a place where we don't have every little thing figured out in our life. And so people just will just mask that. Right. Or, um, and so there's that piece of it is like, is, is balancing into that surrender, into vulnerability and into receivership. And that was so much of my journey because I was scared to be seen. I was scared to let a man see me. And so of course I can't surrender to the point of orgasm if I don't want you to see me, if it like, that's a vulnerable position to be in. Um, and again, that, that relates back into our life. Like how, how do I show up in the world? How do I show up? Am I scared of being seen? And for myself, as I show up more on social media, as I show up more in the work I do, as I share my gifts more with the world, like my pleasure and my my sexual pleasure gets better they're kind of like they kind of play off of each other nice. <laughs> yeah nice. so there's like there's so I guess there'd be like those three pillars pillars to look at when we're when someone's starting um right. which is why I recommend working with someone like which is why like I've worked with tons of of coaches and teachers along my journey um and that's the work I do with my clients because it it's a, it's tough to navigate on your own to, to know, like, it's literally, it's been years of experience for me of my own journey and learning to, to know everything that I know and, and embody everything I know. And so hire someone to help you. Like it's that I highly recommend that. Like we transform 10, 10,000 times quicker, um, with that, that support and with someone who's been through that journey already. So I love what you said about like, um, you know, how someone can start kind of letting go of that shame and that guilt and those feelings that come up around their own, you know, like sexual desires or experiences. Now, how do you transition when you're looking at coming in with a partner? You know, how does, you know, one of the things I noticed, like going through your workshop is that like growing up, I wasn't taught about consent. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I really didn't know or believe that I had a choice, Mm -hmm. right? I just thought like, okay, well, we're doing this. So that's what we're doing. Like, how do you start to have that conversation when you're entering into partnership with someone around what's okay, what's not okay, what your boundaries are, like, how does that, what does that look like? And I'm sure for many people, it looks different, but for people who like me have kind of grew up not knowing that that was even an option, like, where do you start with that? Well, again, it's first like that awareness of like, oh, we can actually do that. And I want to say that like your story is the same as mine. I was like, oh, I thought we just rolled into it and figured it out as we went. Like, I, um, So I think it's like making a choice that communication gets to be sexy. Consent is sexy. And I know that the men I'm with now, I find it so sexy, someone who initiates a consent conversation or someone who initiates any sort of communication on that level. Like, it's an actual turn on because then I know I'm safe with this person. I can trust this person. And those are keys to intimacy and connection. If we don't feel safe in a sexual interaction or we don't feel safe and trustworthy 
or trusting the relationship or who we're, who we're in connection with, like there's, there can't be that deep intimacy and that deep pleasure because we want to feel safe. So I just made a choice that like communication is sexy and consent is sexy. And there's, it's interesting because even like some men I date now, um, and even taking sex and physical stuff off the table, it's like you can start to notice pretty quickly the communication, how, how good of a communicator someone is, or if they're not comfortable communicating the more uncomfortable things. Um, and so it's interesting, like I'll just, I'll, I'll just start playing with that right off the bat when I start talking to men. And if they can't go there, it's really great to know from the beginning. Um, but we, we have to develop our own skills. Like we can't rely on somebody else to come to us with these skills. Like we have to develop it as individuals. And so if, if I'm working with a couple it, and they're already in partnership and these foundations haven't been established, there's a few things. Sometimes there's cleanup, like sometimes there's cleaning up um, broken consent in the past or crossed boundaries in the past, if there's any sort of resentment and those kind of things going on. And then secondly, it can be really beautiful because then you get to build that and learn together and just learning together and expanding together can be such an experience of connection building and intimacy building. Talking about the uncomfortable things is actually a doorway to intimacy and connection and authenticity and deeper pleasure. And again, I think we're so programmed in the opposite way of like, we're supposed to avoid those things. Like we're supposed to like, like shove those things under the rug. Don't talk about, don't talk about your fears. Don't talk about what you're scared of. And in reality, like when we can open up and say those things, it, it, that's what connects us to another human being. That's what connects our hearts. So it's like even thinking in relationship, like we all have different fears that come up. If we're just to speak them, like I'm feeling scared right now. I'm feeling scared that you don't accept me or I'm feeling, I'm feeling um, scared that you might leave or, or scared that I might be being judged and it's like when we can just speak those things, it's not like, oh, we speak them and then they come to life. It's like we speak them and they're diffused because it's it, like we realize, oh, that's not true. Or the other person can validate and hold space for that and love us anyways, you know? Absolutely. It, it takes the power of that fear away too. I think it, it empowers you because it's like, oh, well, that may not at all be what they were feeling or thinking. And now you actually know, because it's not this like assumed thing or like, you know, like you said with, I, I know for myself, even in the past, I've had times where like, you know, if something goes awry in the bedroom, then right away I, I would put it on myself to think like, oh, well, he doesn't desire me anymore or he doesn't find mm -hmm. me attractive anymore. And sometimes it has nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. But that's what happens is we give these things meaning mm -hmm. that it, and, and, and shove it down and it becomes prob problematic over time and I think yeah. a lot of relationships um, sometimes come to an end because we don't want to 
go there. We don't want to be vulnerable and share what's really happening for us. Yeah. Or the, the other pieces too is like not knowing what's actually happening. So it's like twofold. It's like the awareness of, cause so often before we have these wake up calls um, and these awarenesses, it's like, we're run by that fear. Like that fear is calling the shots. That fear is making the decision. So it's just like instant, like that's where it'll like put, push someone one away or create a conflict, like all these different ways that our fear acts. Right. When really it's like to see it coming up, like, oh, this is my fear and calling it out, then it's not the one making the choices. I know you talked in the past, like you had, a, um, you know, there was addiction and things that you were going through. Um, what was the catalyst to kind of really for you to say like, okay, enough's enough. Yeah. So first, yeah. Um, I'd love to share that. And first I have to like footnote that I never use the term addict for Mm -hmm. myself. I never Mm -hmm. identified with that. Mm -hmm. And I talk a little bit about that in my book and The reason is, is I believe that once we label something, now it becomes something that we have to fight off or that Mm -hmm. we have to heal or that we have to fix. Mm -hmm. And I think, I believe, and I know that one of the reasons it was easier for me to get sober as opposed to like my ex is I didn't identify with that label. So it was just a choice. It was like, I'm choosing not to do this anymore. It wasn't like, I'm an addict and I have to fix this thing about me. Um, So it's really like how we frame things in our mind. Like, Mm -hmm. are we framing? And I believe the same with a lot of mental illness and stuff. And this can be controversial and that's okay. (laughs) I feel like it needs a voice is when we're identified with like depression or anxiety, like I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I have anxiety. It's like, that's creating a mental construct that's like, I am this thing. And, um, so yeah, so that was part of why I think it was easier for me to make the choice to get sober, but what really catalyzed it is the relationship I was in and he was a full blown addict. Like he, what he identified with being an addict, he was addicted to opiates and, um, I saw the struggle. I mean, I was in the struggle that he was in with him and trying to help him and the pain that caused him and the pain it caused me was undeniable. And so what happened is when I left the relationship, it got to a point where we had had intervention, like the television show involved and that was going through. And then all, all of that fell apart. Everything fell apart. And I left the relationship. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't be living my life to help someone else. It's, it's too painful. I love this person too much to, to still be in this. And, um, the really interesting thing was for about, I mean, it was probably three or four months after that. I just went down this self-destructive road of drinking and drug abuse 
And it was probably, I think it was about four months after that I, I was like, am I kidding myself? Like here I am trying to help somebody and this is how I'm dealing with my pain. This is how I'm dealing with, this is how I'm coping. And it got too painful. That's really what happened is it got too painful to be in those behaviors. And that's what catalyzed the choice for me. And then I was like, actually at first it started with like six months where I'm like, I'm just not going to drink or do drugs for, for a bit and see how it goes. Like I didn't, I wasn't ready to fully like, this is what I'm doing. I'm committing. And um, six months after that, I drank, I drank once and I got so ill. I got so sick and how I felt emotionally the next day. That's when I said, I'm never drinking again and I'm never doing drugs again. Cause it was like, once I'd experienced um, the freedom and the light and then having a taste of that again, it, I was like, I can't ever go back to that place. Um, and then when my ex passed away, that just like really solidified it for me. Like I was just that much more clear of like, this is my, this is my path. Um, and yeah, so that's what, that's what catalyzed it. And I've never, I've never looked back. I just made a decision that this is who I am now. And what was more challenging and more painful in that was, was having to face all the, the feelings and the emotions and the things that were underneath that behavior and mm -hmm. getting really honest with myself about how I was feeling, getting honest with myself about the types of people I was hanging out with and having to sever a lot of relationships because it, it is challenging to change a behavior when the people you're surrounded by are still in it or even an energy or a mentality. You know, it's like anytime we expand into something new in our life, we have to, we're leaving behind something because everybody that's there with us isn't going to expand with us. And so, yeah, I really like, I 180'd my life. I created a new identity for myself and I started traveling a lot, spending a lot of time alone, just like getting to know like who am I like on that feeling level like who am I what do I actually desire um yeah and then that's where the book where the book came from I love that so much it's just a, a thank you for sharing that um it's just a testament to like no matter what you've been through you can always reinvent yourself you can always make a new choice at any moment and you mm. can, you know, decide to surround yourself with people who also support that journey as well. I know mm -hmm. for myself too, I've, I've let go of many people in my life. And through my, throughout my 20s, I had um, issues with drinking too. I never really saw it that way in the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I just thought like, oh, I'm having fun. But now mm -hmm. I realize like I was using alcohol as a way to cope with feelings I didn't want to be feeling. Yeah. And um, so I love that you share that and that it's just, like I said, a great example to, to see that like you can reinvent yourself at any moment and really yeah. um, come into your own and, and learn who you really are at your core. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting because I was having a conversation the other day. Sorry. It's okay. Um, my, my, my six pound Yorkie is crying at the door to get his into his toy <laughs> basket. So <laughs> we'll just let him in. 
um, I was having a conversation the other day and what I said, and I was talking about that transformational time in my life. And I really like, I think this is so important to say is I believe that we're always in a state of transformation. And then again, like looking back, I can see, like I can connect all the dots and like, oh, this is why I experienced this. And this is why that happened. Cause it launched me into being an author. And then it launched me into being a coach and that now my career is, and my work has changed. And it seems like a pretty little package with a bow on it, but it's not, it's always like a constant journey. Like we're always in the process Ooh. of evolving into something new and oops, 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 I'm about to <laughs> topple everything down. Shit. Okay. Um, and, uh, but let this be a, a testament of imperfection. And yeah, I mean, I believe that we're, sorry, I'm just going to okay. set this back up. Um, that we're really always in a state of transformation. Like we always are. And it's that, that piece of like, I just like to be raw and real with people because I, it's so easy to see someone else's transformation and see it as like this, this perfectly curated like story. And yeah, looking back, it does look like that. Like when, when you're out of something, you look back and you can put all the pieces together but when we're in it, it doesn't feel like that. And so, and it was the same thing with the sexuality journey. And now I'm in a different journey of like being an entrepreneur and, and these other things like challenges coming up. And so, yeah, I just, I just find that so important to say and communicate to people because it can seem like even when I was in that place, I didn't see it as like, oh, I'm in this horrible place. Like, it didn't feel like that to me. Like, when I was drinking and getting high all the time, like, that's what everyone I knew was doing. Like, that's just how we socialized. It didn't seem like a – I wasn't like, oh, I'm broken and I need to be fixed. And right. it, it was like – then I started to wake up and was like, oh, now I want to go over here. And it was the same thing with the sexuality. And and still I have stuff come up that's like – and I'm sure I'll write books and be talking about it too as it unfolds. But – yeah, like we're always in process. We're always in journey and we've got to get out of the mental trap that thinks, that tries to tell us that our success or our happiness or whatever, our pleasure, our joy is like somewhere out there, like somewhere that we have to get to. Like it's all, we're always in process, but because we're always in process, we always get to recreate ourselves. Like every day we're recreating ourselves, every choice, every moment. And so, and I definitely like in my own life, there's been more pivotal choices like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm making like getting sober. Like, okay, I'm making this choice to get sober. Okay. I'm writing a book. Like I'm becoming a coach. I'm going to like put myself out there that this is what I'm doing now. And then, um, well, as of recently, like I'm, I've gotten rid of my house and a lot of my stuff and like moving. So there's been like there's definitely like pivotal choices, but there's also just those subtle everyday choices that we have the opportunity if we have the awareness of what we're doing and what we're choosing to choose something different and, and be in transformation.
when you decided to get on kind of the path of becoming a coach, like was um, sex and sexuality, like was that your, where you started from? Is that what you thought you would start with? Or did that kind of unfold naturally over time? Yeah, that kind of unfolded naturally over time. At first, I was literally just like, put out on social media, like, I'm a coach now. And like, (laughs) built a really shitty website. And I was blogging, like I was doing some blogging. My blogs were really dark and really like, um, because that's where that was a space I was in. And, um, and a few people just started hiring me here and there, you know, of like, I want to work with you. And they'd be going through different things. Um, And then I did start a little bit of the sexuality piece because I was learning so much about it. And I was on the journey myself that we, I believe that we attract like clients to us that are just a few steps below kind of where we're at. um, So we can teach them the way. And so, yeah, that just kind of started naturally happening in my sessions And then I came across like a sex coach certification that just lit me up when I saw it. And I was like, I I need to take this. Like, even if I don't end up coaching people, I want it for my own knowledge and my own information. And it, yeah, then I really like started putting myself out there. I was like, oh no, this is, this is what I'm here to do. And as I really started to draw so much of the correlation between the other work I was doing and the other journeys I had been on and the sexuality and how it all ties together, like um, in how we be in our lives and, and how we show up, it just kind of became its own thing. Like it just, yeah. <clears throat> and even like the sex coaching I became certified in is in the erotic blueprints, which is the work of Jaya. And so I learned a lot about like how we're wired sexually And then I learned a lot about how to be a coach, like how to like lots of techniques to coach. And so I really expanded in my skills and ability. And now I take a bit of that teaching and a bit of this and a bit of this and like my whole toolbox of everything I know and my own personal experiences. And it's just kind of become my brand, I guess, like that's become it's so crazy if you try and like figure out like, whoa, that's why even in the beginning, like, what, what do you do? It's like a few years ago, I wouldn't have been able to answer that. And even still, I'm like, it's probably always going to be evolving, but like I am my own brand and I um, have all these different pieces and experiences and trainings that I can draw from to coach someone and to teach someone and assist someone. I love you sharing that because I think especially it's important for entrepreneurs to hear that, especially new entrepreneurs to hear that because a lot of times we want to have it all figured out, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. sometimes I I feel like, and I've, I've felt this myself. It's like, you know, you get these little puzzle pieces and you want to like put it all together and know what it looks like, but it feels like someone took the box. Right. And so, um, so it's really an unfolding of like, you may not know exactly what, what path you're going to be taking or you know, you just, you know, you're on the path, but you don't really know what it looks like. And that's mm-hmm. okay. That it's mm-hmm. okay not to know. And it will unfold as you go. And yeah, um, that's very much been my experience as well. So I love that you shared that. So thank you. I think it's a lot about like learning to live in that space too. Um, because like when I wrote my book, I thought that was my path of like, I'm writing this book and I'm going to be a coach and 
And as I started going down that path, it, it changes. And I think when we're not, I think I fucking know that when we get <laughs> too stuck on a specific trajectory, then again, we lose that center. We lose that. Oh, what am I feeling now? Where am I moving to now? What am I doing now? When we've created in our mind, like, Oh, this is what I'm doing. This is what it looks like. And then it's following through the motions rather than using our intuition, using our inner emotional guidance system. And yeah, so where I'm at in my life right now is really just trying to surrender to that. Because now again, I'm in a place in my life again, where I can't see all the pieces. Like there's new stuff coming up and I'm, and my brain wants to be like, well, how's this all going to pan out? Well, what is this going to look like? Well, where are we going to end up? Well, <laughs> da, 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 da. And it's like, yeah. we never know. And we're always in that place. Like, or at least it goes in waves like this. Right. So right. I'm really, for me right now, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm learning to master being in that space and in the divine unknowing of like, I don't know what's coming next. But the interesting thing is, is even when I think I know what's coming next, I don't know what's coming next. So it, it like we create certainty, but it's an illusion. It's not real. Like, right. It's right. not real. So like, and I feel like you yeah. said too before, it's like a very masculine approach, right? Needing to know, like, have it be structured and having it be very rigid. And like, this is what it like, it needs to look like, you know, and like letting go of that, I think, and just being in the flow of what's happening is mm -hmm. really important, especially when it comes to you know, being on your path or like kind of going into the next place of, you know, where, where you're headed. Mm -hmm. And, um, I read a book recently and I loved what they talked about. They kind of referred to like God source universe as like playing a big hide and seek game with us. Right. And it's like, if you think about hide and seek, if you were to like sit there and you're the one that's like it and you're ready to like find all the kids. Right. And like you count down and then they're all just standing there. Like that would not be fun. Like the fun <laughs> is in the anticipation of going and finding them. And I thought that was such a beautiful um, like metaphor, if you will. Is that the right word? Metaphor for yeah. like what the universe has in store for us, right? It's like if we already knew everything, it wouldn't be very fun. Right. And the fun is in yeah. the journey and in discovery and discovery within ourselves. So yeah, I just, I thought that was such a great, um, example of, you know, I what love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for me too, it's taken a lot of like studying and learning, uh, about manifestation and about spirituality and about the context of our universe. And I mean, I, like, again, I still think that that's like, we don't even fully know, but I like, I'm an intellectual person. Like my brain wants to understand what's going on and how the system works. So I find that the more I, um, like Abraham Hicks and Esther Hicks is a huge, uh, like distance mentor of mine, like I'm always listening to their material and things like that help me and ground me when I'm in a place of like, oh, fuck, what's, what's unfolding next and, and learning like, okay, this is how manifestation works. I just because I can't see it with my physical eyes doesn't mean it's not, it's like a seed underground, right? Doesn't mean it's not percolating and growing and so I do, I really believe that when we have an intellectual understanding of how energy works and how manifestation works and how like 
the, the different dimensions work, like that we're not just physical beings, it does make it easier. It does make it, um, yeah, because if we think this is all there is, is like what we can see right in front of us, then it's fucking scary. Yeah. Like, it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that. Um, I know for myself, sometimes I have what I, I recently heard was called um, spiritual amnesia. Yeah. You, know, you know, where you forget, mm. you connect to yourself, you forget that you can connect to spirit, to source. Like, what do you do? What is your particular practice in helping yourself, um, you know, if you've kind of gone astray to get back to your own, like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I, I don't know if that resonates with you. Have you ever, like, forgotten? I'm, like, I'm laughing because I had an experience like that this morning. <laughs> like, there's a lot of what feel like big pieces changing in my life right now. And what feel like a lot of big decisions I have to make on the physical, in the physical world. And so I, I get sucked into that. And like, so just this morning, like I was, I was meditating and I couldn't really drop in. Like I was, I was all in my head. I was still like having like anxiety and stuff come up. And then I listened to a meditation by a teacher of mine, Mary Holnick, where the purpose of it is to connect you to the love and I was almost laughing because I was like, oh, yeah, I can connect to the love. <laughs> like, it, it is a daily practice. And, like, I think that's also why so many of us who are really dedicated to this path and this journey become teachers, become coaches, because we, it's like we want to be in it all the time to, to be embodying it all the time. Right. But a few things I have is, like, calling people, like, calling friends and people that also uh, are on the spiritual path or on the path of awakening and can remind me and bring and help bring me back down. The second piece is I am almost always working with, with a coach or a teacher or a mentor always because it's, it just, I need it for my own to, cause I will always want to be expanding and transforming and having that person to help bring me back down. And then the last piece is yeah like meditation and and even just spiritual books like having something to open and turn to that's like oh yeah this is who this is who i am yeah i think it's so important to have those spiritual touchstones if you will to like remember because i think that's i i found for myself that's kind of the biggest piece in all of this is like remembering that you can connect, you know? And I think a good differentiator is like, if you have that like nervousness or that doubt or that fear come up, that's a good sign that you're relying on your own strength versus um, having the support of like, you know, your higher power or your, um, you know, that you're not connecting to that love, like you said. How can people find you, Kat? On Facebook, Kat Tramarco, K-A-T space T-R-I-M-A-R-C-O. Instagram is Kat underscore Tramarco. And my website is www.kattramarco.com. So K-A-T space T-R-I-M-A-R-C-O. You can search me on all the things. Awesome. 
and tell us a little bit about your book. How can they find your book? What's it oh, called? Oh, yeah. Uh, my book's called Self-Approved, A Guide to Accepting, Loving, and Expressing the Person You Truly Are. And it's available worldwide on Amazon.com. Yeah, you can get it anywhere. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. paperback, hardcover, Kindle version. It's in all the formats. It's all there. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm so excited. I definitely know and trust that like you're like you sharing what you've shared today is going to help so many people. And um, I just love the work that you're doing and I think it's so important. So keep at it, sister. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I had so much fun. Thank you for listening. This is Seeing Beauty Sessions. I appreciate you spending time with us here today. Your generosity and willingness to help spread the message of healing can happen in a few ways. If you feel inspired by the stories you've heard, please consider rating, sharing, or donating to help keep us going. Your donations help keep the podcast alive and helps us to keep spreading messages of healing. Anything helps, and when you donate, you get to be part of an ever-growing community with access to behind-the-scenes footage, photos, and more. Be part of this incredible mission of healing and shifting the way we see beauty.